Welcome to the One Player Podcast, the show on solitaire board games. I'm your host, Albert. This is episode 316. Wonder Woman. Hi, everyone. If, if that sounded less enthusiastic than you'd expect from Julius, it's probably because it's the second time we do the episode. <laughs> oh, and it's because I've sprained my wrist. And <laughs> and he doesn't feel well. Yeah. Poor Ju- Sorry, Julius. Yeah. <laughs> We just did a whole amazing episode, and I look up saying, how much time are we doing this? And there's no time, and I, I realize that somehow I either stopped it or never hit start. And I'm pretty sure I did hit start, so I must have stopped it. So, sorry, Julius. So, this is probably going to be quicker than the first time around. That's the good news. <laughs> let's let's talk about today's game, which is Wonder Woman, uh, Challenge of the Amazons. It is from Ravensburger, designed by Prospero Hall. It's a... Two to five player game, uh, but it's cooperative. So yes, right, you can play it solo. That's what we're gonna find out. <laughs> the start with the theme again. Go for it, Albert. <laughs> so, so I already said this is a game where you're playing Wonder Woman, Diana, or one of her four friends in the island of Themyscira. 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 I told you before, and you still. Yeah, he, he did. And it's, I don't know, it's a hard word. Um, and so you're defending your Aiden from enemies, either Ares, the Cheetah, or Cersei, and, and their henchmen sort of things. That's the idea of the game. It's cooperative. It, it's pandemic-similar, pandemic-like kind of game where bad stuff happens, good stuff happens. And as I said before, the big twist here is the bad stuff happens first. <laughs> I can't believe I did that. Whatever I did. The components. Okay, let's just let's just talk about the components. You get a board. It's a map of the island with all its locations. It's a nice clear map, simple to tell, simple to read. There's no confusion about what's connected and what's not connected. All the spaces have nice borders around it, so it's easy to it's easy to differentiate everything and all the patch. You're not gonna be confused about any of that. The the one drawback is that when you're moving on the island, you can draw a bad stuff card for the enemy and tells you to move them to a specific location. And you now need to find it by name. You know, because it's just a made-up place that is not terribly familiar to most people, I would say. You kind of hunt around for it every time. Even after multiple plays, I, I can never remember, oh, which one's the Coliseum, which is that? It just takes a little bit of effort. So that was that's a little bit annoying, but it's not, it's not really bad. I don't think it's, I mean, I, I don't think it's that much of an issue. Our game, also by Robinsburg, that I enjoy is Horrified. And similarly, it also has like made up places and they're all over the place. And every time you draw a tile, you have to find it. I, I don't find it to be that much of an issue. I'm, it doesn't bother me. What else you get? You get some player. So you get some miniatures for your heroes. There's five miniatures. They're gold colored, one per, per Amazon. And there's player mats that go with the miniatures. Um, each hero is a little bit different. Oh, it's not meant to work. My battery's low now. <laughs> I have no idea how long it'll go. Each. Each hero has a different ability, so when you play, there's interaction between them and all that sort of stuff, potentially. Uh, besides that, you get the enemy deck. Each There's three enemies, I already said that, and each enemy has his own deck. They're, they're different, and they play differently, so they needed the, their own individual deck. The, the decks basically tell you which location the enemy will move to each round, because they, they do that, they jump around the island, and or what bad stuff happens that round f- for the enemy. The there's also hero cards. The hero cards are smaller size cards, and I don't know, it's about a hundred or something. They're attributes. They're like strong or 
agile or nimble that just describe the character, but really they have two sets of icons in the bottom. There's four types of icons. Each card will have two. Some might have had three now that I think about it. But uh, those are the different things you'll be able to do, different types of action you could take. It could be moving. It could be recruiting new Amazons to help you. Or it could be for fighting the enemy. And some icons have multiple purposes. There is also six or seven artifacts. Each game, you're going to shuffle three of them into your deck. As you draw them, you're going to get one of those artifacts appears on the island. You're going to place a little token on the island for that artifact. And if somebody goes, they can pick it up, and now you have they have some sort of power, powerful ability depending on the artifact. Um, there's some v- random tokens, including some markers for your health and the bad guy's health. And there's plastic cubes in four different colors. The white ones represent your Amazons. They're helpful. And basically, they are they're like wild cards. When you need four actions and you only have three on your card of that type, you can use one of your Amazons for that. Oh, there's also the green, the orange, and the purple, which are the bad cubes that the enemy controls. They represent, depending on which enemy, they represent different things. They're not all the same. So depending on the scenario you're doing, the cube, some cubes move or some don't. Some you're able to fight. Some are easier, some are harder. And it depends on each scenario, how, how it works. And do they feel like just abstract cubes? Like, are they no different from Pandemic Cube? Or like, do, is that very thematic when you just have to deal with that? They're, they're, they're abstract enough. I mean, I mean, I don't want them to be abstract. I want them to be more thematic. Say that again. You said they're abstract enough. I don't want them to be abstract. I want them to be thematic. Yeah, it'd be nice if they were more thematic. I mean, but when you're when you're fighting them, you're oh, I'm spending the orange the the books to fight the orange cubes, and it doesn't matter what they represent at that moment. So so it does feel abstract as you're dealing with them. Um, they're a little less abstract when you're trying to move around the map, for example, and they represent a blockade that you can't get past or. Or when you're having them follow you around because you can't actually kill them, and so your only action is to move them. But generally speaking, the, the dealing with the cubes is pretty abstract, and that's basically it for the components. The, the one comment I, I'd like to say is I don't I think the art is not tasteless. The Amazons are are all females, and they're all dressed in bathing suits and and strong and whatnot, but they're not drawn in a overly sexual way. And I thought I thought that was. Pretty decent. Earlier, Julius kind of disagreed with me. I mean, it's not that I disagreed with you. It's the, any armor for a superhero being portrayed in comics is pretty patently ridiculous. It's not armor. It's not clothing that normal people wear. Yes, it's it's always ridiculous. And, you know... They, it's, it's bathing suits. They're all strong and attractive and, and wearing just fabric, whether they're men or women, right? Yeah. But, but at least here it's... It doesn't have cleavage or anything like that. It's it's not drawn in a way that's going to be extremely sexual. It's no better or worse than any other comic book. <laughs> I don't know if that's true. Maybe. It's no better. It's pretty average, in my opinion. Okay. <laughs> uh, so that is the components. The How about the rules? The I find the rules easy to follow. They're well written. They're clear. The what is interesting is the rules are written from the, the from the point of view that you're fighting Ares, 
And so when it tells you about the setup, it tells you how to set up Ares. When it tells you about the bad person, bad guy's turn, it tells you about how Ares is, what he does and how he interacts with the cubes. It assumes that Cheetah and Cersei are, are variants. So at the end of the rule, it tells you, if you're using these, change the setup this way and change the rules here and there for this sort of thing. So, so it does feel, they kind of feel like an add-on. Or, you know, they're just variants or that sort of thing, scenarios. The one nice thing about the rulebook is that the back page on the outside cover is a an appendix. It's basically a reference for all the important things you might forget. It tells you general rules as well as specific things for each of the scenarios, each of the enemies, you know, things that, that you'll need to remember that you might not otherwise. So it's handy because you won't have to reference the book anywhere near as much, or at least the inside of the book. Gameplay. Boy, we are zooming through this the second time around. I told you it was going to be faster. <laughs> We're at 10 minutes. The it's an issue. Yeah, so be it. The the game so the gameplay. Okay, so the, I said this is a pandemic style game. The big difference being the enemy was first. But first you're gonna set up the map, you're gonna That's not a difference. <laughs> it's not a big that, that makes a difference for what the first round of da- game after that it's just to each one each one yeah basically and even then a lot of the games tell you you go first but go ahead and do the setup for the bad guy already so so it's actually exactly the same thing yeah that's such a moot <laughs> even for pandemic that's true <laughs> so okay so the yeah, yeah it's basically the same as pandemic uh, you will set up the bad guy but when you're playing You've set up the board. All the heroes are in the middle. The bad guy's out there and possibly some cubes already on the board. Your goal is to defeat the enemy and bring him down to zero health. Each of the enemies has a different amount of health, depending on the one, between about 14 and 20 health. There's an easy side and a hard side for each one. So if you want it harder, you basically just flip them over to that hard side and they now take more damage. I think everything else is the same on the hard, on the hard side. Yeah, that's the, that's the only difference. There's there's also a version depending on whether you're playing three to five players or two or four. There's a slight difference based on that. So anyway, on, on a turn, you're going to draw a bad stuff card, and it's going to have a location. The bad guy moves to that location, and then some stuff may happen depending on, on which one, villain you're fighting. For example, you may add some new cubes to the space they're on. Uh, with Ares, you add two orange cubes each round. If there's already cubes on the board, you upgrade the orange to, to purple. Or on that space, not on the board. Then after that, depending on the number of players, you're going to draw more bad stuff cards. One less than the number of players. So if there's two players, which is what I played with, you would draw one card. You'll ignore the location text. You'll read the rest of the text, which will tell you what sort of bad stuff happens. Like, And it may be things like, oh, add cubes to all the spaces, or the villain moves again, or add cubes to the villain location, or whatever. Different things. Never good. Once that is done, the players take their turn. First thing you do is you're going to hand out cards. This is the planning phase. You're going to hand out cards to each player. They get three face up and three face down. It might be two face up. The You will look at your face up cards. All the players can now look at their cards and talk about what they have and make a strategy for what their turns going to be like coming up. Each player is going to have three actions. So using those face up cards, you got to decide what you want to do. Then once everybody's done that, you look at your face down cards also, and from your hand of cards, you're going to pick three and place them on your player board face down. This is a like an action selection thing, a, a sort of like a simultaneous movement thing. You mean action programming. So yeah, so you, you're going to play your cards, 
on your board, face was, down, on three spaces. One, I'm sorry, two, you're and still three. getting the name of it wrong. It's action programming. Action programming. Thank you. Yes, I I haven't played too many of those games to be honest with you. You so, should. So you're gonna play your three cards face down on the board. Everybody do the same thing during this phase. You're not at all talking about what you have, so you can't tell each other which cards you have anymore, which cards you're playing. You may be playing the three cards everybody knew about, or you may be playing a mix of them, or just the ones I knew about, and nobody knows in which order. Uh, once everybody's done that, going in player order, you reveal the first card and take your actions with that card. If you have footsteps on the card, you could move. If you have Amazons and you're in one of the correct spaces for it, you could recruit new Amazons and put the little white cubes on the board there with you. And if there's anything else, you could use them to, to fight the enemy. Each enemy is different. Um, some require more cubes, some less. You might be able to use the cubes to defeat the the icons to defeat the cubes on the board if you're in that space. And again, depending on the enemy. For example, with Cersei, you can't ever get rid of the orange or green cubes. All you could do is move them around. But uh, you can attack Cersei or you could defeat the, the purple beacons. Which, which symbols you need for these actions depends on the enemy and how many. It may be two. For example, with Ares, you need two to remove an orange cube. For each two of the symbol, you can remove one orange cube. Or maybe three or maybe four. It just depends. If you're attacking the enemy directly, usually it's four. And a lot of times it doesn't matter which icon you use for that. But anyway, you'll use your icons. Once you finish your actions, and you can only use one of your icons on the card, just for the record. Once you finish your action, the next player goes and reveals their first card. And you keep going around doing the same thing. You know, Then the second card, everybody does theirs, then the third card, and so on. Once everybody's done, you will potentially take damage on the board. Collective damage, not individual damage. This, again, depends on the scenario you're playing. Um, it may be based on how many cubes are in the middle of the board or how many spaces have cubes or how many spaces have lots of cubes, whatever. It depends on the scenario. You will take some amount of damage if, if any of these conditions are met. You have 20 health to start with. If you get down to zero, you're going to lose. Um, once that is done, you start another turn again. Uh, reveal the enemy cards and so on. So that's the flow of the game. It's, it's pretty simple. It's pretty straightforward. Some of the cards do have extra text. For example, it might say, like, if I played the card in my first action, it might double my points that I get from it. Hey, Julius. So some of the other card abilities that you might get, for example, uh, would be some cards will say, if you play this card last, or if you play this, yeah, if you play this card, when you play this card, double the effects of another player at the same location. Double didn't pass it on. Right. So so it's nice because, you know, working as a team with multiple players or multiple characters when you're solo, you will be able to interact that way. You know, position everybody positioning just the right place, just the right time for this thing to work. So so there is interaction there. The other neat thing is the artifacts that you find. You know, if you draw an artifact, you have one less card in your hand that round, but you now get to place that artifact on the board. And whoever could benefit the most from it should go pick it up, if, you know, if you could get to that spot in a reasonable manner. And each artifact has a specific location to appear in, so it's that, that's what decides it. The spear will always appear in the same place. So if you really could use the spear's benefit and you're across the island, well, you know, spend a couple rounds to get there if you have to. That is that is the gameplay. Um, it's pretty straightforward. It's not, it's not very difficult. It's not very complicated. I... It's a it's a family weight game. Um, there's a little bit of complexity in which type of action defeats which type of enemy and that sort of thing. 
but it, it's it's not it's easy enough to follow. I mean, it's more complicated than pandemic that has one really one thing: remove a cube or not remove a cube. But again, it's not difficult. So, the, any any questions about the multiplayer game, Julius? Um, I'm trying to remember if I had any questions the first time. Oh yeah, I pointed out last time that this is not a card game. The cards don't have a lot on them. They're they're really basic. They mostly just have card icons. There's a couple that have a little bit of interaction, but you're not playing like it's not like an Arkham Horror card game or something like that where all of the interactions on the card. No, not at all. It's 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 definitely more like a pandemic. The cards are just telling you which type of action you have, and it's it's just an icon. You know this. I really need to move where I'm going to look for my through my cards for one that has move icons and enough move icons to get me where I'm trying to go in one action. And that's the thing. You have to spend all the icons that you're going to spend from that card in a single action. They don't carry over. You can't use all the icons. You, you pick one icon, and that's when you're getting from that card this round or this turn or this action, whatever you want to call it. So, so the, they're pretty limited, and they're pretty easy to figure out. You have six, but again, they don't do a whole lot, so it's easy to just look at them looking for the icons you know you want to do because it's kind of obvious what you want to do. Yeah, I mentioned the enemies. They're different. They they feel very different. They play extremely differently. For Ares, you could, you, your goal is to kill him and just hit him a bunch, but you can't kill him until you gather all the pieces of the sword. So you have to run around the island gathering them. And that is, you know, that's kind of neat. The cheetah, you can't actually def, or actually, yeah, you can't actually defeat her enemies. So all, what you could do is have them follow you around. No, no, I'm sorry, that was Cersei. I'm confusing the two. So you can't remove the enemies. You got to move them around, and from her, you take damage based on how many spaces have enemies. So you're trying to get gather all her enemies into big piles to to minimize the damage, but you're still taking damage. So so that is the gameplay. I would say it's not. Honestly, it's not a very hard game. It is it is family friendly, it's family weight. I would say it's a good game to introduce younger gamers to, to the idea of cooperative playing and whatnot. the The first two enemies, my son and I beat no trouble right away. Did did not at all feel challenging. Cersei, on the other hand, was pretty hard and it took a few games before we managed to finally defeat her. Um, she, she was just doing a lot more damage and more consistently to us. the The other enemies, they just Never did enough damage to, to be threatened, to feel threatened. Then the solo play. As you as you noted astutely last time, it's a little tricky because you're revealing cards and making choices. Yes, the solo play. More what I know astutely, yes. It seems like it wouldn't actually have much solo play in there because part of the drama is whether or not you've card programmed well with the other players. Yeah, so you're going to lose a little bit of that. Now, you when you play solo, you still have to play multiple characters. Because the number of bad stuff cards you're drawing is one less than the number of characters in the game. So if you're playing just one character, you're never going to draw bad stuff cards. And it just gets silly, silly easy. <laughs> Which maybe is maybe is satisfying in its own kind of way. But um, you'll, you'll be controlling at least two characters playing solo. So that means during that first part of the, the player phase, where you're looking at your face-up cards, that's easy enough. I can look at all the player face-up cards and make choices for everybody. Now, when it comes time to do the, the face-down phase of, and, and placing my programmed actions what i would do is i pick up the cards with the first character look at all those make my choice play them face down and then take my first action as that character now now i go to character two i now reveal his cards and make my choices 
I am now making my choices with some information because I know what I just played for player one or for character one. So so I do have a little bit of an advantage here, but I still, you know, I still have to play my cards. If there's more characters, I'll keep doing the same sort of thing. So each character following the first one has a little more information. But it, it only matters in that initial placement. Once I've placed my cards for each of the characters, then you're just playing out the actions and making your best choices. So, so it does make it a little bit easier, and I guess that's a bit unfortunate if you're playing the easier enemies already. But it, but that's that's how I played it solo, and that, that worked. Um, I will say though, it was it was not a terribly satisfying solo experience. It worked fine. Um, I wouldn't I wouldn't buy this game for the solo experience. If you if you're at the store and you see the game, and you say, "Oh, cooperative, two to five players," I bet you I could play the solo. Yeah, you can, but you know, unless you're gonna play with other people, avoid this one. It, it's really not intended for solo because of that simultaneous selection thing, that program movement stuff, where everybody's choosing at the same time. And I think the first time, the first time we talked about the price, we didn't talk about the price this time. It's a pretty cheap game. It's fifteen on Amazon. I found this at the thrift store for five, and you know. And you thought you were getting a great deal. I got a great, not as great as I'd hoped, <laughs> I'll admit it, but it's not bad. Um, I, I mean, I've had fun playing it with my son. It worked well as a two-player game. We've had a good time. The first two enemies were pretty easy. The second one, the third one was definitely much more of a challenge, even even on the hard side, because you can flip them over and do the hard side. But the hard side is just, they, they have more health. That's all it is. I guess you can make other adjustments. I mean, I could just start with less health and make it more challenging that way. I guess you'd have to figure out what the right amount is for your for yourself that way. My son and I, we definitely had fun playing it. And whenever I said, whenever he saw me playing the game, he says, "Oh, can I play too?" Well, it's a neat game. It's uh, it's well done. It's just not really a solo game. Anything else, Julius? No, other than the game sounds quite simple. Does it? <laughs> yeah, it is. Does it compete with? I mean, I feel like there's a lot of games at the simpler levels. Does it compete? Is it something you feel maintains its space well? I do not plan on keeping this game. I don't need a game of this level. Um, if I didn't have anything, yeah, I'd pull it out and play it once in a while. It, it, it wasn't unfun. It wasn't tedious or laborious to play. It, it's, it's interesting making all the choices and whatnot. So it's probably worth it for $15 to at least try. Yeah, for again, if you're playing with with a family or with other people in general, if you're gonna just play solo, you know, move move along. You could get something else. So fifteen is pretty cheap. You're right. What can you get for fifteen dollars? You can't get a pandemic style game at all. Even the the hot zone ones, right? Is that what they're called? Those are probably like thirty. I have no idea. Yeah, so it's, yeah, maybe it's not a bad choice. That's interesting. I didn't I hadn't thought of it that way. At at that value, yeah, <laughs> that's shockingly inexpensive. Actually, shockingly inexpensive. Mm-hmm. For the size of box, it is. I mean, like about ten by ten box, like same size as Horrified or something like that. I mean, I don't disagree. I was quite surprised to see it for fifteen. And yeah, at fifteen. It kind of feels like it's worth it, but on the other hand, like, do you really need it? Like, yeah. Well, that's the thing. You don't need it, so for you, it's not worth it. But yeah, again, if you don't have a game for fifteen, yeah, it might be worth trying. If you don't have a, a cooperative game already like this, or you're curious, you're going to like this style of play, that's a, yeah, that's, that's a good one to try with. All right, Julius, we've talked about this game for about an hour now. 
<laughs> yeah, I feel like the truth has been pulled out of me by a lasso. <laughs> well, in that case, yeah, then let's just end it here. <laughs> Sounds good, Albert. All right, Julius. Thanks for listening. We love feedback, so we love hearing from you. You can reach me at Julius at OnePlayerPodcast.com or JLBird on BGG. And Albert can be reached at Albert at OnePlayerPodcast.com or Fractaloon on BGG. Our website is OnePlayerPodcast.com with the number one, and we're also on Twitter at OnePlayerPodcast. The intro music is copyright Angus and can be found at Gemendo.com. The transition music is copyright by Dan Elduce Pancaldi, whose page is at DanPancaldi.com. The One Player Podcast is protected under a Creative Commons share-alike license. Thanks for listening.